Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome back to this episode of the GCSE Physics Revision Podcast with me, Helpful Hints. In this episode, we will look at the two different types of circuits, as well as how we get the electricity to our homes in the first place, and how we can do it safely. This episode is for both separate and combined science. Previously, we spoke about these electrons flowing, and that they're carrying some energy. Keep this in mind as we talk about series and parallel circuits. First up is series, and the easiest way to remember this is to think about Netflix. When you find a series you really like, you watch each episode back to back, and that's exactly what happens in a series circuit. Each part of the circuit flows after the other, so the electrons have to flow through all the components to get back to the start, our battery. So, if one of the components doesn't work, and so doesn't allow the flow of electrons through it, say like a blown bulb, then none of the circuit will work. This is one of the disadvantages of using this type of circuit. You may remember that current is the rate of flow of these electrons, or more truthfully the charge. So if we have one big loop, then the current is going to be the same everywhere in the circuit. The current through one bulb will be the same as the next, no matter what the resistance is. But the amount of energy transferred each stage will be different, as the electrons need energy to get through them all. They can't dump all their energy at the first bulb they see, so to speak, so here the voltage is split amongst all the components. But it will add up to whatever the potential difference was when we have all these electrons at the start. For example, if we have two identical bulbs in series, and our battery produces, say, 6 volts, then the voltage over each of these bulbs will be 3 volts. That's 6 volts divided by the two identical bulbs. It won't always be split equally though, that depends on the resistance of each. When we say identical, they have the same resistance. If our circuit has different components of a different resistance, then our total resistance will equal the sum of all the component resistances, in the same way as the voltage. I realised there was a lot of resistance words in there, so let's try and look at this as an example. Say we have two bulbs, one with two ohms resistance, and one with 4 ohms. In total, we're going to have a resistance of 6 ohms, because 4 add 2 is 6. To summarise for a series circuit then, current is the same anywhere along the circuit. Voltage from the battery is split between the components depending on each resistance, and the resistance adds together for the total. Parallel circuits are different in that each electron can go from the battery and back to it again without going through each and every component. They can form their own loop. Here we can think back to trying to get down the hall at school. Let's say year 11 are leaving the school hall after an assembly. They all want to get to the canteen for lunch, but can go different ways. Now, if we count how many year 11s pass directly outside the hall, like a battery, that would be our current and they have a choice which way they can go. So if we could count how many year 11s pass through, say, the English corridor, it's going to be less, as some have gone through maths. Basically, the current in a parallel circuit is split amongst the different loops of it. So if they leave the battery at 2 amps, they might split at the junction, and 1 amp goes one way, and 1 amp goes the other. Eventually, they are going to meet back up again, so 2 amps is going to go back into the battery. For our potential difference, or voltage, each student, which in our terms is representing a coulomb, will have a set amount of energy given to it. These will split off, but we will still have that energy attached to that coulomb. 
so the voltage in a parallel circuit is the same as our battery voltage for each loop. Harder questions could mean you meet series style circuits within parallel, so be prepared to see both and apply the right method. Think back to those year 11s in the hallways. Lastly for this then, we're gonna look at resistance. Now this does get a bit trickier, but the only thing you need to remember is that the total resistance of a parallel circuit will be smaller than the smallest resistor in that circuit. So say we have a 10 ohm, a 20 ohm, and a 30 ohm resistor connected in parallel, we're gonna have a total resistance equal to less than 10. If you go on to do A-level physics, you learn about the formula here, but for GCSE, just remember it's smaller than the smallest. So to summarize, current is split between each loop, voltage is the same for each loop, and total resistance is smaller than the smallest resistor. It's essentially the reverse of a series, so try to make sure that you remember the right way. Again, it's a really good idea to have a go at some past paper questions here, as you can think you understand it, but until you put it into practice, you can never be sure. Right, so we'll now move on to looking at electricity in the home. When making circuits, you've probably only been using DC, which stands for direct current. This is the type that batteries produce and probably the power pack you use at school produces. Direct current means the current will flow in one direction and at a constant voltage. Your teacher may have shown you this on what's called an oscilloscope. This draws the voltage out for you on a screen and it would simply look like a flat line. AC, however, which stands for alternating current, will change the direction of the current, and because of this change, the size of the voltage. This is what comes out of our plugs, and here in the UK, it's at around 230 volts. It changes the direction back and forth 50 times a second, or we would say 50 hertz. On an oscilloscope, it's going to be a line that looks like a wave, up and down. Now, without meaning to brag, the plug that you put into the wall to get to this electricity is by far the best design in the world. It just is. I'll link a video that explains it in more detail than you need, but let's talk about what you need to know. Firstly, the case for the plug is plastic. Why? Well, because it's a great insulator. And if a wire inside got loosed, then the last thing you want is for the case of the plug to shock you as you check what's wrong. The pins themselves are made of brass as they're great at conducting this electricity but also hard and so won't go all floppy as you struggle to get them in the wall. And of course, the wires on the inside are copper so that they can bend easy and also are great conductors. Now the plug will normally have three wires on the inside, sometimes two, but we'll talk about that later. We have a live, earth and a neutral wire. You need to know the job of each, where they are in the plug and their color. The live wire sits on the right hand side of the plug that's with the pins facing down, and is brown. Remember it's brown as that's what color your trousers will go if you touch it. And remember where it goes because the second letter of brown is R, so it goes on the right. It carries the current to the device and the fuse is also connected to this live wire. The earth wire is at the top and it's yellow and green, so stripey. The second letter of stripey is T, so top. This is a safety device, so that if that live wire touches a metal casing of, say, your oven, it directs the current to the ground. It works in combination with the fuse of a plug, which will blow if the current gets too high. This is going to happen if that live wire works loose, because the earth wire provides a low resistance path for that current to travel on. 
We won't need an earth wire if the appliance is made of plastic. This is because if the live wire touches plastic, it won't electrocute you. And so this is why some plugs do have a plastic top pin. There's nothing connected to it. Lastly, the neutral wire is blue, second letter L, and so goes on the left. It completes the circuit for our appliance. You normally won't see these wires unless you are rewiring a plug, which you really should practice at school. These three wires will be in the outer insulation. This is a layer of extra plastic, just to be extra safe. This is held into the plug with what we call a cable grip, which is normally a bit of plastic with little teeth on, to grip onto this outer insulation, so if you pull the cord, it doesn't dislodge the wires on the inside. It would be in this section where you might be asked about how much energy an appliance is using. Remember, we've spoken about power being a few things so far. Power is the rate of energy transferred, so is energy, which is in joules, divided by time in seconds. We can also calculate this with voltage times current, but also current squared times resistance. You could be asked to combine all of the above information to work out something else. So say you are asked to calculate how much energy is transferred by a kettle in 60 seconds if it has a current of 10 amps. Well, the voltage is 230 volts as it's plugged into the wall. So using P equals I times V, 230 times 10 is 2300 watts, which is our unit of power. We also know that that means it's transferring 2300 joules per second. So if we times it by 60, we'll end up with how much energy it is transferring in that time. 138,000 joules is our answer. It's a fairly long-winded process, so it's going to be worth a few marks here. Now, to even get to that point, we rely on something called the National Grid. This is a network of cables and transformers, no, not Optimus Prime, which connect power stations to our homes and schools, the consumers. It is important that you remember it's just the cables and the transformers, not even the pylons and definitely not the power stations. Last episode, we learned that the longer a wire is, the more resistance it has. So imagine the resistance of those huge wires which are going up and down the country to every home. What we want to do is reduce the current flowing to reduce this resistance. To do this, we increase the voltage. This is because of Ohm's law. So, when the electricity leaves the power station, it goes through a step-up transformer, which increases the voltage and decreases the current. We minimise the energy we lose to heat loss in the cables, but need to use step-down transformer once it is at the consumers. This brings the voltage back down to a safe level and will bring the current back up. An equation you are actually given on the equation sheet for this relates to how these transformers work. I won't go into detail about this now, but try and get familiar with potential difference of primary times number of coils in primary is equal to the potential difference on the secondary times number of coils on secondary. It's easiest to practice with this one. Right, there was a lot of information there. I've included it all as one because it wouldn't make sense to be like a parallel circuit and split so I hope you found it useful. Next week, we're going to look at static electricity, which is only for the separates, but combined scientists are more than welcome for the ride. Thanks very much for listening. Music by Kevin McLeod.